going to read from God's Word uh, in the book of Isaiah, uh, from chapter 7. That's on page 692 of the Church Bibles. Isaiah chapter 7. We'll be reading from verse 10. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 10 to 14. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Our second reading is from the book of Matthew. Uh, That's on page 965 of the Church Bibles. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, and we'll be reading from verse 18 to the end. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Thanks, Phil. Um, Let's pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, please help us as we reflect on these words of yours that you've given to us. Um, Please help us to know Jesus better and to be filled with wonder um, at all you've done for us in him. Amen. Amen. Well, morning, everyone. Let me add my welcome to David's. Um, I'm Michael, if we haven't met. And a special welcome if you're new to church. Uh, you've joined us on a great Sunday as Driech, as it is. Did I get it right that time? Great. Um, you've joined us on a great Sunday because uh, we're looking at the Bible's Christmas story, and it's a wonderful, true story. Um, uh, and if this is your first time exploring that story, that's very exciting. I wonder if you've ever thought to yourself, I'd love to go back to some experience and feel how it felt the first time. Maybe sitting in the cinema watching The Lord of the Rings for the first time. That feeling of awe as this new world opens up around you. Or maybe how you felt 
the first time I'm reaching the peak of a mountain, looking around, taking it all in. Or maybe the excitement of going to Pizza Hut for the first time. That was a good day. Um, waiting for a hot pepperoni pizza to, pizza to arrive on the buffet and then going up to claim it. Um, that feeling. Or the feeling, the feeling of holding your child in your arms for the first time. This new person in the world. That feeling of wonder. Well, if this is your first time experiencing the Bible's Christmas story, I hope you want to come back to this. The joy, the wonder, the excitement of what God has done for us. But for many of us, I'm conscious, this isn't our first time experiencing this story. For some of us, we've heard it loads of times. And it could be that our familiarity with this story makes it harder to feel the wonder of it. That's something, actually, that I've struggled with this week as I've reflected on this passage. But God is kind, and he helps us with that. And one way he helps us is by giving us a story to enter into. He didn't have to do that. He could have just given us a list of bullet points. Um, I'm not God, and so I have done that. And on the screens, if you want to know what to expect, um, here are some points. Uh, Feel the wonder of how Jesus came to be, why Jesus came to be, and who Jesus came to be. Um, That's where we're going this morning. But God doesn't give us bullet points. He gives us a story to enter into, to help us feel the wonder. And it's one of those stories where it looks like everything's gone wrong. All is lost. You fear the worst. But it turns out that not only is there nothing to fear, but the things that are happening are so much more wonderful than you ever could have imagined. So let's get into this story together. If you have Matthew 1 in front of you, then um, check out verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So what we have here is an origin story, how Jesus came to be. And we're introduced to Mary, probably a a young woman who's engaged to Joseph. And Joseph, Joseph can't wait for their wedding day, can't wait to be finally married to the woman he loves. And one day he goes over to Mary's place and um, he's expecting the kind of nice evening they've had many times before, having some food, chatting, laughing together. But from the moment Mary opens the door, Joseph knows something's wrong. There's an awkwardness between them, but he can't put his finger on why. And they stumble through some small talk, talking about their day. But when Joseph brings up some wedding thoughts, that's when Mary drops the bombshell. Joseph, I'm pregnant. And it's all a blur after that. Joseph can't really remember what other words passed between them that night. All he can remember and what he still feels as he trudges home is the raw disappointment, the aching feel of betrayal, the feeling that it's all over. 
how could there be any coming back from this? And when he gets home, he makes up his mind. The wedding's off. But he'll call things off as quietly as he can for Mary's sake. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Um, in those days, engagements were more binding than they are now. To call one off was like a divorce. And so with a heavy heart, Joseph decides tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow he'll go back to Mary's and tell her it's over. Cancel the wedding, cancel the ceremony, uninvite the guests, the wedding's off. But that night something happens Joseph didn't expect. Verse 20, verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord, a messenger from God, appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Here's how the baby in Mary's womb came to be, not through another man, Joseph, Mary hasn't been with anyone else. Her baby was conceived through the Holy Spirit, from God. That's not an easy thing to get your head around, is it? Imagine how Joseph could have felt. Shocked, puzzled, maybe the beginnings of relief. But just notice that in the flow of this story, this isn't a minor detail. This is the key thing Joseph has to believe for things to get back on track. Don't call off the wedding because here's why. Mary's baby has been conceived through the Holy Spirit. We might find that hard to believe um, for obvious reasons without going into things too much. You know, doesn't it normally take a man and a woman together to make a baby? Well, yes, normally. Joseph knew that. That's what he assumed happened, like we would. The Bible knows how things work. But the Bible's also very clear that there is a creator God who decides how things work. And he's free to do things differently if he wants to. Leave him out of the picture. And this miracle really is impossible, ridiculous, absurd. But with him in the picture, it's just God being the big God that he is. A God who isn't boxed in by his own decisions. But if you find this miracle hard to believe, to be fair to you, it would be strange if we saw this miracle and it didn't seem, well, miraculous, astonishing, abnormal. Because here God is doing something totally unique. You might know that there were other miraculous births recorded in the Bible, like um, Jesus' cousin Joseph, for example. Uh, John, sorry, for example. Um, John's parents, they, um, they're uh, way too old to have kids when God enables them to conceive. That's what the Bible's other miraculous births are right. There's a couple who can't seem to get pregnant and God helps them to have a baby. But here, 
This time it's even more miraculous than that because God isn't just enabling nature to take its course. He's doing something entirely supernatural, creating new life in Mary's womb by his spirit without any other input. Um, I wonder, do we feel the wonder of that? Do we feel the wonder of how this baby came to be? It's a little bit like one of those amazing things, seeing, seeing a comet streak by, a once-in-a-lifetime event. But this conception is way more amazing than a comet because it's totally unique. Nothing like it has happened before. Nothing like it will happen again. God is doing something completely unique. And that might raise questions. There is mystery here. One question it raises, though, is why? What's the point? Why is God doing this completely unique thing? Maybe Joseph was asking that, if you can ask stuff in a dream. You know, his head's still spinning. He thought that Mary had cheated on him, and then he finds out that the baby's from God. He's already got way more than he bargained for. And then the angel says this. Look at verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. We're talking about why Jesus came to be. Names, names have meanings. Maybe you've uh, gone online and looked up what your name means. Be uh, good to hear about that afterwards if uh, you'd like to share the meaning of your name. But a friend told me that apparently the most popular baby names of this year, um, it seems like a remarkable coincidence. They are Oliver and Olivia. And um, if you're called Oliver or Olivia, that's good news because it means you have three meanings to pick from. Number one, ancestor's descendant. Number two, olive tree planter. And you can kind of see Oliver, olive tree planter, Olivia. And then number three, this is the outlier, elf warrior. <laughs> uh, it's up to you if, uh, if that's your name. Names mean something, and that is just as true of the name Jesus. Uh, Jesus, it's an anglicization sort of of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means elf, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> now, Joseph would know what Jesus means. It means, well, it's in our Bibles, actually, the footnote. It means the Lord saves, God saves. See, why Jesus came is in his name. Jesus came to save. And when you think of what we need saving from, you might think of all sorts of things. In fact, here's an exercise that I hope doesn't sound too dodgy. Take your Bible and cover up the last two words of verse 21. Cover them up. And what you get is, Mary will give birth to your son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from what? How would you end that sentence? Um, he will save his people from loneliness, from emptiness, from low self-worth, from poverty, from bad health, from COVID, from a disappointing Christmas, 
Well, lots of things we think we need saving from. Of course, we want to be rescued from those things. But take your hand away, and how does the angel finish? He's come to save us from our sins. And maybe if we're honest, we find that a bit underwhelming. Maybe actually, this Christmas, we're more excited by the idea of someone who could save us from COVID than someone who could save us from our sins. But here's the thing, even if someone could save us from COVID this Christmas, or from loneliness, or poverty, or emptiness, the truth is we'd still be left with a much bigger problem, the problem of our sin. Because simply put, our sin cuts us off from God. It messes up our relationship with Him. We know that sin wrecks relationship. Maybe for some of us, we're partly anxious that we might not get to spend Christmas with our families, but also we fear that we will be with our families for Christmas because of the anger, the grumbling, the bitterness, sin that messes up relationship. Well, sin wrecks relationship with God. It means that we don't relate to Him like we should, and it means that we come under His right judgment. You could get rid of loneliness and low self-worth and COVID, but you'd still have our sin and the judgment that we deserve. See, Jesus came to save us from the thing that we most need saving from. And the wonder we feel, or the wonder we don't feel at Jesus' birth is directly linked to believing that. You know, if I if I don't really think that I need saving from my sins, then I won't feel much wonder at Jesus' birth. But if I really believe deep down that the thing I most need saving from is my sins, then Jesus' birth will be the most wonderful thing in the world to me because he's Jesus, a savior from our sins. And praise God, that's what he does. Notice, there's no uncertainty in what the angel says. He doesn't say, call him Jesus, for he'll try to save his people from their sins. Uh, he'll make it possible for his people to be saved from their sins. No, it's completely certain. Call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus will succeed in this rescue mission. It's like the angel could have said, Joseph, call him Jesus, for he will live the perfect life that his people fail to live, so they will be perfect in him. He will die the death his people's sins deserve, so they will be forgiven all their sins. He will rise and send his spirit, so his people will come to follow him and be changed for the better and be kept by him, though they stumble in sin. And he will return and save his people from sin and every trace of all its effects forever. So call him Jesus, God saves, because he will fulfill the meaning of his name. Brothers and sisters, if we have any time later today, in a spare moment, just ponder the, the meaning of the name Jesus, God saves. Now, so far, we've talked about two things. 
how Jesus came to be, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and why Jesus came to be, to save us from our sins. And for a, few, for a couple of minutes, I just want to help us see the connection between those two things, the how and the why. Because some people have thought, does it really matter that Jesus came to be that way? Isn't it a, a little thing? Couldn't we take that out and it wouldn't make much difference? Well, it does really matter. Because put simply, if Jesus was conceived the normal way, then he couldn't save us. Here's what I mean. According to the Bible, sin isn't like a virus that you catch. You know, you're healthy for a while, and then you get infected. Now, sin isn't like that. In the Bible, sin is more like a genetic condition that's passed from parent to child. You're born with it. Um, my dad tells me that when I was a baby, he brought me into work one day to, to show the office, and um, all the ladies in the office were looking into my pram, saying, oh, what a, what a cute baby, so lovely. And then the only man in the office, this dyed-in-the-wool Ulsterman, looked into my pram and said to me, hello there, you little sinner. <laughs> and he was right. He was right. No one had to teach me to sin, I can assure you. Um, my fiance, Hannah, and I, once we're married, we'll be so happy if it's God's will for us to have kids. Of course we will. But we're under no illusion that they will be just as sinful as we are because sin is in our DNA, and what's in our DNA will be in theirs. And so can we see that it's not a little thing how Jesus was conceived? Because if he'd been conceived the normal way, he'd have the exact same problem we have. He'd be just as sinful as his parents. In fact, he wouldn't be able to save us from our sin. He'd need saving. And that's why God breaks all the rules and does this totally unique thing. And by a miracle, the Holy Spirit conceives someone purely holy, someone completely free of sin, so he can save us from our sin, so he can be Jesus, God saves. Well, back to Joseph, I can barely imagine what was going on in Joseph's mind when he woke up the next morning. But he knows this isn't just a dream, this was a message from God. And so the next morning, instead of going to Mary to tell her the wedding's off, he goes to tie the knot. It's the wedding. It's a big day. And he can barely believe that the baby growing in Mary's womb, which he'd feared was the result of sin, is actually the Savior who will save him and Mary from their sins. And when their baby's born, as the legal father, he gives him the name Jesus, God saves. It's a wonderful story. Not only was there nothing to fear, but the things happening were so much more wonderful than you ever could have imagined. But as we head towards finishing, something that nudges us towards a response. And uh, it's about who Jesus came to be. Before Joseph wakes up, you'll see that Matthew puts in a verse 
from the prophet Isaiah, from our first reading, actually. Just check out verse 22. Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Who did Jesus come to be? God with us, Emmanuel. But Matthew's done um, a slightly cheeky thing. Um, in the original Hebrew of, uh, of Isaiah's prophecy, he says, you will call him Emmanuel. Look at what Matthew's changed it to. Change it to they will call him Emmanuel. You know, Joseph is told, is told, you will call his name Jesus. Matthew says, they will call him Emmanuel. So who's they? Who is it? Well, I think that it's any of us. Any of us. See, Matthew is imagining people like us who will look at this child and recognize he's God with us. God in the flesh that we'll look at the way he came to be and see it's totally unique. There's nothing else like this. But we'll experience him saving us from our sins and realize only God can do that. Actually, it's in his name. God saves. And Jesus saves. And we'll come to realize that in some unfathomable way, God has come to be with us in Jesus, God in the flesh, and we'll call him Emmanuel, filled with wonder that God is with us. See, the really unbelievable thing about Jesus' conception, it's not that the big God could make a virgin conceive. That's not that big a deal. The really unbelievable thing is that the big God of the universe bigger than we could possibly conceive of, could become a tiny bunch of dividing cells in a human womb. God with us. Well, let's, uh, let's reflect and pray. Lord Jesus, we are filled with wonder at the thought that you are God with us, God who has come to be one of us and to save us from the thing we most need saving from. Lord Jesus, please help us this Christmas for the familiarity we might feel towards the story, not to stop us feeling the wonder of it. And please lead us in knowing you more and in worshiping you for who you are, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the musicians uh, are going to come back up for, uh, for another carol, our final carol, Noel. Um, Noel, God come to be with us at first Christmas and um, filled with wonder, let's sing. Uh, as the music starts, please do stand and we'll sing together. <laughs>